Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I love to start with a good laugh, and I heard... Something funny from one of my favorite pastors, Bill Johnson, up in Reading. Several men had gone to the locker room at the local golf club when a phone was ringing on the bench next to him. The man immediately hits the answer, uh, but also turns it on the speakerphone, and he hears a, hello, honey, are you at the golf club? He goes, yes, I am, dear. She says, well, I... I'm out shopping, and I just found a leather jacket for $2,000 that I love. Would you mind if I get it? He goes, oh, no, not at all, dear. If, if you like it, go ahead. And she goes, oh, thanks so much. She goes, I also stopped by the Mercedes dealership, and they have a, a, a new model that I would just love to buy. Can I buy it? He goes, well, how much is it, dear? She goes, it, it's $200,000. He goes, $200,000. Wow, if it's going to be that much, go ahead and get it with all the options, but Go ahead and buy it, honey. Oh, thank you so much. She goes, and honey, that house that I'm just in love with came back on the market. He goes, well, how much is it, darling? He goes, she says, uh, it's for $2.2 million. He goes, well, offer $2 million. They'll probably take it. But if not, just go ahead and pay the extra $200,000. If you, if you want it, dear, it's worth it. Oh, thank you so much. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Hangs up. All the men in the locker room are just staring at him, mouths gaping open. He picks up the phone. Anyone know who this phone belongs to? <laughs> I want you to read this with me. Matthew chapter 6. We're in a series entitled Teach Us to Pray. We're learning how to pray, going through the phrases of the Lord's prayer, believing that each phrase is a doorway into another room in our connection with God and on this journey of learning to be people who converse with him. I'd ask that you'd pray this with me and you'd say this, these next verses as we're believing for God to just sink this deep into us. Would you read this out loud with a, a loud voice? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We started this series laying the foundation of our place, our position as children to a father. We started with intimacy, with that phrase, our father. Last week, we moved to the next phrase, in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We talked about worship and adoration. This week, we move to the next concept, which is intercession. If you're taking notes today, we're going to be talking about intercession from the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the first thing I want to make note of is this phrase starts with your. It starts with your. Intercession is not about me. It's about him. Your speaks of the Father. When we come into the place of intercession, we're not asking for all the things I want or the things I'm hoping for. That's not wrong. We'll actually cover that next week when we come to the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. But I want you to understand there's a delineation between your and our. And many of us, when we think about prayer, we think about just bringing our needs to God. But Jesus is teaching us this powerful concept of bringing the kingdom of God onto earth through this mighty force called intercession. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We've got to understand that God's desire has always been to extend his kingdom through his people. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, the first book in the Bible, on the first page of your Bible. You'll find this right after God creates man and woman. It says this in Genesis 1 chapter 28, God blessed them. So the first thing he does is bless them and says to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. He's saying, I want you to fill the earth and I want you to lead it, to control it. We'll keep going here. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God wanted his children to have rule, to have dominion on the earth. God's plan has always been to extend his kingdom, his rule and reign through his people. And let me tell you, the primary way we do that is through intercession. It's through intercession. What is God's rule and reign? What is God's kingdom? When you say, your kingdom come. We don't know much about kingdoms today. We live in a democracy. A kingdom is the rule and reign of a king. A kingdom is where a certain monarch has absolute authority. Whatever he decrees becomes law, and therefore it must be done. We're praying that his kingdom come where? On earth. We want God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Because you'll, you'll hear people pray. So some people, they'll move past just praying for their own needs, but then they'll start praying for things and say, God, if it's your will, I pray that you'd heal this person. Or God, if it's your will, I pray that you would do this. What Jesus is teaching us is to pray on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's how we know the will of the Lord. What's going on in heaven, Jesus is saying, pray that happens on earth. So it's very important for us to understand heaven. We talked about heaven last week in regards to worship. God's in heaven. How do we know how to worship him? We looked at heaven. Let's look again at heaven to understand what God's will is. We're going to look in Revelation chapter 21. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said this, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, this is John, the disciple talking, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This is what we are supposed to understand. In heaven, God is dwelling with his people in communion. God is inhabiting his people, and he is preparing a bride, the church, in purity, in power. And what is God's will? God's will is to wipe away every tear. It says there will be no more mourning. There will be no more pain. God is dealing with the wickedness. He says there will no longer be idolaters, murderers, people giving themselves to sexual immorality or black magic. I am wiping all of that out. I am establishing my kingdom and its purity and holiness and goodness. And this is what we're called to pray in. This is God's desire. Why do we pray for the sick? Why do we pray with confidence? Because we know that in heaven there's no sickness. And Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we pray for miracles? Because in heaven everything is in order with God's desire and his will and his goodness. Why do we pray that God would eradicate abuse? He'd eradicate alcoholism and drug addiction. Why are we praying for people with mental illness to be healed? It's because God is saying there's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more mourning. And so we pray this. This is intercession to pray on earth as it is in heaven. So let me just tell you, this is God's desire for you as his kid to want his kingdom to advance and not to just live in your little world. My son, when, when, I'm, when I'm with Hudson, Hudson's my oldest. I always want Hudson to have a bigger view of the world and understand his purpose. I, I don't want him to just get lost in his little room with his little toys. And, and even when we grow up, you, you see how people can, can be like that. If I could just have my little cup of coffee and have my little air conditioning right around me and, 
have everything nice, and then that's all I need in life. And God is saying, no, there's so much more. You're my child. So I'll take Hudson, and we're, we, we drive through the city, and I'm saying, Hudson, God brought us to San Diego to impact this city. And I'll say, do you see these homeless people? I, I don't want him to turn away and act like they don't exist. I'll say, God, Hudson, these are your people. God wants us to impact, to touch, to change, to uplift these people. That's why I take my children on mission trips with me, on international mission trips, because I want them to know Hudson, Hallie, Joshua, John Mark, you belong to a team, and this team's mission is to transform the earth. Do you understand when you were saved, God wanted so much more for you than to just have forgiveness for your sins and to get a ticket to go to heaven when you die? You were saved into a family that has a responsibility to extend the kingdom into every sector of society. You were saved and brought into a team that has a mission, which is global transformation. So how do we do this? How how, how do we pray? How how do we intercede? I want to teach you a, a simple model that I use every day, and I think it'll be helpful for you to understand how how do I actually pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I I, I call it the circles of intercession. If we could put that diagram up right here. I'm going to pray through different circles of intercession. I'm going to start really large. And this is what I want to encourage you to do because I believe that God has called this church to be a house of prayer. I believe if you're in this church, God has a calling on you not to just come and to receive, but to take your place on the wall and to call for his kingdom to come. So I start with the nations. A kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The Bible says that my house of prayer, my house would be a house of prayer for all nations or all peoples, Isaiah 56. So we start by praying for the nations of the world. So every day... I begin my time of prayer with our Father, and I connect with him, like I shared with you two weeks ago, in that place of intimacy as a son receiving love from the Father. Then I move to hallowed be thy name, and I take time to worship God, and I magnify his name, and I lift up his name like I talked about last week. I'll pray out the names of God. I'll sing songs to him. And after I've connected with him, that's when I move into your kingdom come. And so I start large. I don't want to just start small. I want to start large. And so I'll pray for different nations of the world. So perhaps I'll start with Asia. I'll pray for a continent. And so I start asking God, oh God, won't you move in Asia? Lord, won't you bring a move of the Spirit in Bangladesh, in Bhutan, in Burma, in Vietnam, in Laos, in Singapore, Lord, in Indonesia, in the Philippines? And I I start crying out, naming different nations. Oh, God, as this is such a seedbed for human trafficking, Lord, won't you move by your Spirit and drive out the, the child sex slavery and establish a safe place for children to live? Won't you eradicate starvation, God, and won't you let the church rise up and bring revival to these churches. I start crying out for these countries in Asia. And then what I do is I pray for our missionaries that are there. Do you know that in this spiritual family, there are missionaries in Asia? If you'll turn your bulletin over the back, we're trying to give you a a practical prayer help every week so you don't just hear a message, but you have something to do with it. On the back, we have different ones of our missionaries. By God's grace, we're sending more and more people into the nations. And so I see on here the Sandy family, bottom left corner. 
They're leading all peoples Bangkok. And so I pray for them, Lord, won't you pour out your spirit on Mike and Tani, Sandy, Lord? Won't you fill them with power to preach the word of God boldly, Lord? Won't you give them men and women in exchange for their life, as scripture says, Lord? Won't you let them preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captive free? And then I pray protection over their children, Lord, for Peter and Sophia, for the child in the womb. Lord, I'm praying you're covering. Lord, I'm praying that you'd surround this family with your angels. The Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp around those who fear you. So I'm trusting you for safety today. And Lord, I pray for their teammates, for David and for Kelsey. Lord, I believe that you'll unite them together and use them. You know, and you think, does this really work? Like praying for these people, does that really matter? I learned the power of this some 15 years ago, being a part of of Antioch, where we were sending missionaries all over the world. One of the hardest nations on earth had been Afghanistan, one of the most dangerous places. And yet from our church, God called some different missionaries. I remember from my college group, a a young woman named Heather Mercer saying, I want to go to Afghanistan. And we knew that she could lose her life from there. And another single woman, Dana Curry, joined her. And so we said, as a church, we'll pray for you. You're going to go. We're called to pray for you. So we started praying for them. But three months in, they were captured by the Taliban. We were so concerned. They were actually imprisoned, and, and they weren't being released. And so our church began praying for them every single day, not just every single day, but every hour of the day. We had a prayer room at the church, which, side note, I want to believe for a 24-7 prayer room once we own a facility. So that's another reason I want to own a facility is so we can have prayer going on before the throne of God 24-7. And so we had prayer room and we'd all sign up for different, for different prayer times. From young to old, we were all signing up and we'd, we'd have these prayer meetings and we'd call out. Well, in the midst of their imprisonment, we have this tragedy called 9-11 that happens. And more and more people hear about them being imprisoned in Afghanistan. And churches around the world started praying for these women and some other aid workers to be released. But we were saying, don't just pray for them. Let's pray that God opens up Afghanistan, this place where there's only a a handful of known believers in a country of millions. And where the Taliban has oppressed the orphan and oppressed the widow. And it's been violent. It's a, a demonic regime. Let's pray that God breaks it open. And so thousands, probably millions of people started praying for Dana and Heather's release and also started praying that God would move in Afghanistan. And I'll never forget the night where we get the call because it looked so grim for them. But we get the call that the Navy SEALs actually had this miraculous rescue mission and had pulled them out. I love Navy SEALs. And they pulled them out and rescued them. And we get the call to meet at church. And so we just start going crazy celebrating. And the world press descends because they were already in town because of George Bush's ranch right next door. They come into our church and we are going crazy. And BBC and CNN is filming us. Actually, there's a picture of me and Steph on the front row that went around the world in newspapers. I used to have hair. It's a miracle. And you can take that off real quick. And they say, we're going live. And right when they went live, our pastor Jimmy got to preach the gospel. It went live on BBC, live on CNN. He's like, Jesus loves Afghanistan. Jesus died on the cross. He starts preaching the gospel. Right when he says, and you can give your life to Jesus, they go, cut. And all of a sudden, you see the commentators go, wow, they're excited there in Texas. (laughs) Preach the gospel to, to the nations of the world. But listen to this. Listen to what happened. Not only did Dana and Heather get released 
But God broke open Afghanistan. And this dark country, within several weeks, showed the Jesus film on national TV in Afghanistan. And hundreds of people, they predict thousands of people now have come to know Jesus and are gathered all over that country. Never underestimate the power of prayer. And God is inviting us to have stories like this where we pray and intercede for the nations of the world and different spiritual family members that God has sent from this place to the ends of the earth. I move on to the United States. That's the next circle, so now I'm bringing it to our nation, this nation that I love so much. I don't think I have to try to convince you that our nation is in need of prayer, that we're in a dark time in our nation. You just turn on the news, and you see daily violence, school shootings, all kinds of public, public violence. You're seeing terror attacks. We're in a very violent time. It's like a spirit of violence has been released throughout our country, and then sexuality is at an all-time high, and and perversity is normalized, and then there's so much racial tension going on, and then there's just a lack of the value of truth, and we're called to pray on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no violence. In heaven, there's no sexual immorality. In heaven, there's truth, and so we're called to pray that down from heaven to earth. I want to show you a scripture, how I envision it from Revelation chapter 5. This gives us an understanding of what happens with your prayers when you pray. It says each one had a heart, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Do you see that? You think, well, did my prayers really, did they just hit the ceiling, or am I just saying some religious words? No, in heaven, the angels and the elders are holding these bowls, and we fill them up as we pray so that they can pour out God's power onto earth. God always connects his power to the prayers of his saints. God relegates his move to the prayers of the saints, and what we need is a fresh move of God in our nation. Do you know that there's a history of moves of God in this nation? This nation will get really bad and things will get really dark and then the intercessors will hit their knees and bind together and God will move. We had a great awakening in the 1700s when times were dark. In that great awakening, there was tremendous racial reconciliation. In that great awakening, crime went down. In that great awakening, alcoholism went down. Families became strengthened. We need another great awakening. But you know that at the beginning of the great awakening was a small group bounded together in prayer. They were known as the Moravians. And they came together, and there were just a hundred or two hundred of them, but they said, we will contend for unity, and we will be a people of prayer. And in 1727, the power of the Spirit came on them as this one man, Count Zinzendorf, was praying on his knees, crying out for God to move. And the whole room started weeping, and it started a prayer meeting, and it would touch their children, and the children would be a people of prayer. And this prayer meeting went on 24-7 for a hundred years. And it's responsible for the great awakening that swept across our nation. I believe God wants to do it again. I believe God wants to raise up people in this church to be intercessors to pray in the next great awakening. Let us be that kind of people. You know, and that's the kind of leaders we need. We want to pray for those kind of leaders to be raised up. There was a time in our nation that was even more divisive than it is 
today. It was at the time of the Civil War. And many people were brokenhearted, and God raised up a president. I want you to hear his words. He declared a national day of prayer and fasting, and he said, It is fit and becoming in all people. See, he was talking about all peoples. At all times, to acknowledge and revere the supreme government of God. Huh, church and state. government. Anyway. Uh, supreme government of God to bow in humble submission to his chastisement, to confess and deplore their sins and transgressions in the full conviction that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is a president saying the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. These are the kind of leaders we need. And to pray with all fervency and contrition for the pardon of their past offenses and for a blessing upon their present and prospective action. Listen to this. And whereas when our own beloved country, once by the blessings of God, united, prosperous, and happy, is now afflicted with faction and civil war, it's peculiarly fit for us to recognize the hand of God in this terrible visitation. And in sorrowful remembrance of our own faults and crimes as a nation and as individuals to humble ourselves before him and to pray for his mercy, President Abraham Lincoln. Church, these are the kind of leaders we need to cry out for in our land. Presidents, governors, mayors, senators, congressmen who would say, let's pray, country. Let's humble ourselves. So what do I do? I move from the nations to the USA, and I do this. Father, I'm asking for our nation. I love our nation. I love the United States of America. I love what you've done here, Lord. I love how you've moved here. But, Lord, I ask that we would become a bright and shining light to the nations of the world once again. Father, I'm asking for righteousness to reign. God, I'm asking for the 330,000 churches to be marked by the fire of revival to become places and houses of prayer. I'm asking that you drive out the violent spirit, God, and that you'd move with peace. God, I'm asking that sexual immorality would no longer reign, but for a wave of purity on behalf of my children, Lord, I ask for that. I start crying out for our nation, but I don't just do that. I say, Lord, I repent on behalf of our people, Lord, for the sexual immorality, and I repent, Lord, for the way that we've been a violent people. And I repent for our love of money. And I repent for our love of comfort, Lord. We repent today. We come low. It's time for the church in America to cast less judgment and to spend more time in prayer. Crying out for our nation. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. We come in a place of humility saying, Lord, let it start with me. Any way that I've been sexually immoral, any way that I've entertained violence, any way that I have been greedy, any way that I've wanted power, Lord, I repent. I repent on behalf of our people. God, I humble myself so you can hear from heaven, as Scripture says in 2 Chronicles 7, and you can come and heal our land. Will you be a person who prays for our nation? T tomorrow is going to be a debate. I don't know if you're aware of that. 75% uh, of the nation will be watching is what they estimate. But what if instead of just sitting and judging, what if we interceded? What if we prayed? And, and what if you say, well, I don't like either of candidates. You know what? 
God can raise up people and put them in all kinds of different places. What if God started raising up Joseph's slaves from, and putting them in places of influence? And God started raising up Daniel's. And what if God started just putting people throughout our government system? It's going to happen when we pray for it. Let's ask the Lord. The next thing I go to is our region. I pray for our, our region. God's put you here for a reason. God's put you in Southern California. I love our region. More revivals have come out of Southern California than any place on earth. Do you know that? that that's historic. That's not just something I'm saying. Why not do it again, Lord? Maybe he's put you here at this time in history to be an intercessor to believe for the next revival to come out of Southern California. You know, years ago, we've also exported a lot of junk from California, by the way. Years ago, the hippie movement started in California. The mantra was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was crazy. It started to sweep across the country. But intercessors hit their knees and said, God, won't you move in response to these hurting and broken people that are looking for something real? And God answered with the Jesus movement. And it started in Southern California, and thousands of people were saved. Why not pray for it again? Why not believe for it again? I believe that our church is supposed to be right in the middle of that. But it's going to happen through prayer. God has always raised up a people in a certain location to contend. And I want to tell you, God's put you exactly where you are. Maybe it's an apartment complex in your, or your specific neighborhood to call down the presence of God and his kingdom in your area of this region. When we landed here in San Diego, we lived on a street called Hewlett Drive. It was the first street next to San Diego State campus, and, and we started immediately praying for our neighbors in the homes in our cul-de-sac. And I want to encourage you, God has put you wherever you live to start praying for the homes or the apartments or the dorm rooms right around you. And I would write down my different neighbors' names when I met them so I could remember them and remember what they looked like and remember how I could pray for them. And so I started praying for ones, and specifically the house next door to me really pricked my heart because it was a crazy party house, just a big keg party house. It was the athlete's on San Diego State campus. And, and, and in the night, I'd be awakened by their riotous parties. I'd hear people yelling. I'd hear fights breaking out. I remember one night, I hear in this loud commotion. I run up. My daughter's room is the room that opens up right next to this house. And I, veer, you know, I pull the blinds, and there is a guy standing right outside the window in whitey tidies with two long necks in each hand. And I went, mercy, Lord, help me. And I could be very judgmental or I could pray my heart out. So I prayed my heart out. And we started praying and I gathered my team and said, let's start praying for this house. And we started praying for our neighbors one by one. And one by one, each one of them started coming to Christ. And there was one last couple in the house and, and, and the rest of the, it was guys and girls living together, sleeping together. And, and they said, hey, this one couple, they're, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to come to Christ. They're, they're hardened. And I remember being on campus and we had prayed for this couple. I had prayed for, for Russell and Allie so many days. And I remember walking on campus and Russell stops me, captain of the football team and says, hey, Robert, I want to talk to you. And I'm going, oh no, because he was so big and I knew I was ruining his fun. Right? Because everyone was getting saved in that house. He said, Allie and I want to actually sit down and talk to you and Stephanie and, and, and ask you some questions. And I could, I could feel a contriteness in his heart. 
And so I, I called my whole team and I said, let's start praying. And we set up a meeting and I sent out an email to all the intercessors that, that were praying for us around the nation. It said, at this specific time on Thursday afternoon, 2 p.m. on Thursday afternoon, please be praying for Russell and Allie by name specifically. And so we had all these people praying and our little uh, life group was praying for them. We were all joined in praying and they come in our house on that Thursday afternoon and they say, we've seen something different about you. We want what you have. We said, it's Jesus. And right there, Allie gave her life to Jesus in tears on the couch. Russell recommitted his life to Jesus. And their lives started changing. Soon the party stopped in that house. And, and we were just praying, God, do something great. And I had the idea, let's, let's ask them if we can have a life group in their house. It went from a keg party house to a life group house. They started partying for Jesus in there. It was amazing to see one by one different friends started getting saved. This was seven years ago. Fast forward to last week. Last week, uh, I'm leading a, a prayer gathering of about 25 different ministers that are focused on San Diego State. InterVarsity, Campus Crusade, Young Life, Challenge. A guy from Campus Outreach, a newer ministry, comes up to me, and he's telling me what they're doing. And he says, yeah, we, we have our meetings uh, off campus on a house, in a house that we pack out on Hewlett Drive. I went, what's the address? He tells me the address. I get on Google Maps, and I said, no way. He goes, yeah, we got over 100 students meeting to worship Jesus. It's a party for Jesus in there. I said, that's Russell and Allie's old house. Seven years later, they've taken it to the next level. Can I just tell you, you might not see the end of all your prayers, but God wants to do more than we can ask or imagine. And God took those prayers seven years ago and has taken it to the next level with a group that's not even a part of us. What can God do with people who will seek him and pray on earth as it is in heaven? The next thing I pray for is our church. I pray for our church. I ask you to pray for our church. Please pray for our church. You might say, well, I don't really like this church. Then pray for us more to become something you like more. Well, I don't like that we do this. Then pray that we don't do it anymore. Just pray for our church. So every day I'm saying, Lord Jesus, Lord, won't you pour out your spirit on all people's church? Lord, you thought of this church. You gave us the name all people's. Father, let your spirit reside on this people. Let us be humble before you. Would you manifest your power, Lord, that the sick would be healed when they come into this church. Lord, that the broken would be restored. Lord, that you'd restore marriages, that you'd set out addicts free, God, that you'd raise up leaders and deploy them into every sector of society in San Diego, Lord, that you'd heal marriages and you'd, you'd bring a, a wholeness in families and that our singles would be solid and that they'd find spouses if they want to. And Lord, I'm asking that you would move in this place. I pray for the kingdom of God to come in this church. That's the way that this church is going to be more and more like heaven is if you pray for it. And then, then I ask you, pray for, for us, your leaders. We so desperately need it. This is what 1 Timothy 2 says. It says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all those in authority. He's saying, please pray for those who are in 
authority. We need you to cover us. We pray, us, our, our leaders, we are all committed. You can't get on our staff if you're not committed to being a person of prayer. But we need you praying for us and covering us. The, the enemy doesn't like us. Uh, Jason Weatherhead's done a great job as he stepped into our, being our college pastor, and he was driving to the first college service that we were having of the year, and as he's driving, he sees a car swerve, and the next thing he knows, he sees a two-by-four flying at his face on the road. Fortunately, it turns sideways, slams right in front of his head, shattered, shatters his windshield, and then he gets a flat and flies off the road. By God's grace... He was protected. Probably some angel that flipped that two-by-four to smash instead of going straight at his head. He calls me because I was almost decapitated. We need your prayers covering us. Pray that the blood of Jesus would cover us. That same week, I, I get a call from, from, from Joel and Dana, and they're totally broken as, as their daughter has this eye problem, and they find that her eye is blind. And they're broken over it. Now, by God's grace, they've been able to have a surgery, a very extensive surgery, and, and it seems to be getting better. But God doesn't like what Joel and Dana are doing in the youth group where so many kids are coming to Christ and there's so much ethnic unity and God is raising up a righteous generation. The enemy does not like that. Did I say that God doesn't like it? God loves it. Just testing you to see if you really listen. God loves it. Devil hates it. Please pray for Joel. Uh, and here's the deal. You don't need to go up after the, the, the service and go and ask them about it. Uh, what, what I need you to do, that if everyone came or everyone said, hey, I want to lay hands on your daughter, just please pray for them in your own prayer time, in your own prayer closet. I don't want to overwhelm a little girl with, with your prayers. But what I'm asking you is to cover them in prayer. We just got a report uh, a couple days ago, or it might have been yesterday, from, from Des. Des and James. Des does all our communication, uh, all, our, all, all our amazing video stuff. She has the, the beautiful South African accent that you hear. But they just got a, a really uh, bad report on her pregnancy. But you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And, and we're believing what's impossible with man is possible with God. So I need you to pray for their pregnancy. And it also says it's, it's a risk for her life as well. We want to cover her in prayer. We need your prayers, church. We need you to cover your staff in prayer. I need you to pray for your life group leader. The enemy doesn't like leaders in the body of Christ. Please, let's be a people of prayer. Let's plead the blood of Jesus over our church. Lastly, I pray for my circle of influence. God has placed you in a job. God has placed you in a school. God has placed you in a, in a family to be a light for Jesus, to be someone that stands between heaven and hell and calling people out of hell to populate heaven. And so I encourage you, pray for the ones in your sphere. You might be the only person praying for these people. I was so impacted uh, last month when I, when I talked to my friend, Rachel, and she says, I, I'm the only believer in my family. She's now a missionary in the Middle East with her husband, Clint. Clint's come and spoken to us before. She goes, I, I've been praying for my family for 15 years. I'm the only believer. They're all agnostic Jews, and I've just been contending, and it's gotten very challenging and very frustrating as it seems like I'm seeing nothing. And she goes, just a, a, a week ago, I got a call 
from my sister-in-law. I've been praying for my brother for 15 years and he has not been receptive. And I get a call from my sister-in-law who says, Rachel, I need to tell you a story. She goes, the other day, my mom's cat died. She's like, where is this going? She goes, my mom's cat died and it made me start thinking, what happens when you die? She goes, I, I started thinking, what, what happens when you die? And I started getting really concerned about it. So I decided to go to a Christian church to hear what they had to say. She goes, I walk up to this Christian church, and they gave me free coffee. And they, like, smiled at me and shook my hand when I came in. They were so nice. She goes, I started hearing the pastor's message, and I've given my life to God. Rachel's like, what? She goes, and so I just want you to know that, that myself and your brother are now a part of this alpha course so we can learn more about how to follow God. God can use a cat. What in the world? Intercede for your circle of influence. We don't know how God is going to work, but God relegates his power to the prayers of his saints. And I'm asking, would you become a people of prayer, all peoples? I'm not saying let's be perfect or that we'll get it or, or that we'll never miss it or we'll never mess up, but would you let that burn in your heart that God wants to extend his kingdom through me and God, won't you come and pray your prayers through me and I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is calling this church to become a house of prayer for all peoples. Why don't we stand up? I want to ask you to not leave without this, to not leave without this bulletin, and we probably have more on the way out. I'd love to not see any of these on the floor on the way out, because on the back of this, these are people's lives. And if you were serving in a foreign land, I can tell you that you would want people praying for you. Pray for them like you would want people to pray for yourself. I hear from our missionaries. I hear from our leaders, and they say, I actually felt when people were praying for me. And I can tell when people are praying for me, when I'm going through a hard time, and then I feel the prayers of the saints. Would you be a people that pray? Tonight, when you, before you go to bed, what, what I do every night is once I get the kids down for bed, I turn off the lights and I just walk around my living room and I pray and I'm asking God's kingdom to come. In the mornings I wake up and after I have my time with our Father and at time of worship, I, I pace along my back fence. You'd see a place where it's just worn down from just walking and praying and interceding. Would you wake up tomorrow morning? Would you take this and pray over our missionaries? Would you pray for our country? Would you call out, church? This is the church that God is believing for us to become. And I, I want to just do this. If you're comfortable, I, I'd ask that you turn and get in a group of four or five right now. You don't have to know the people. If you're uncomfortable praying out loud, you don't need to do it. Just listen. But someone in your group will feel comfortable. Would you pray for our nation right now? That's something we can do. There's so many things that we're frustrated by, we're hurting by. But would you just turn and get in a group of four or five? Just turn to the row behind you. Get four or five people and, and someone bold in your circle. Let's pray. Everyone doesn't have to pray. But just start crying out for violence to decrease and for love to increase, for racial reconciliation, for truth to be valued again in our country, for a spiritual awakening to take place.
asking for a move of God in our country. We're asking for you to come and to blow the winds of revival back through this land. We're asking in the place of violence that you'd bring peace. In the place of immorality, you'd bring purity. Lord, we're asking for truth to rule and reign. We're believing for the church to rise up in this hour and for you to do amazing things. Amen. We're believing to become a house of prayer. I want to encourage you, October 5th, 6th and 7th, to join with us in a season of prayer and fasting. We're going to be having nightly prayer meetings. I want to encourage you to join. Let's just end this time this morning by singing this song that he's our Savior. Let's sing it prophetically over our church, over our region.